Well, good morning, and welcome again to Hebron's uh, online service, where we're <coughs> we're continuing our, our studies in John chapter 10. And there's not too much doubt at all about our passage and what the passage is about today, because twice over in it, uh, Jesus refers to himself as the Good Shepherd. He says, I am the Good Shepherd. This is, of course, the continuation of a discussion that he's having with the Pharisees after he's healed the blind man and after their reaction uh, to the blind man. What they actually do is this, um, in, the ver- in the words of verse 34, they, they cast him out. Now that doesn't mean that they call for the security and show him the door because they haven't been best pleased with some of the questions that have been asked by him. Uh, it's much more significant than that. It effectively means that they excommunicated the man from the life and the membership of the synagogue. <clears throat> so they formally got up and more or less said, this man's been disrespectful, <clears throat> he's got a bad attitude, uh, we don't like the way he's speaking to us. We feel that because of that, um, you know, this is not behaviour that uh, is in keeping with the house of God and as the leaders uh, of that we, we feel that discipline is required and therefore they, they formally excommunicate him and they, they read him out of the life of the synagogue. Now that didn't just mean that he couldn't attend the services any longer. And again it was a very significant thing because the synagogue it really stood at the very centre of the life of the entire village. It was the hub of everything that went on. And so if you lost out on that, you lost out on basically all your social interaction and contact. He would be shunned, he would be marginalised, and uh, people wouldn't want to have anything to do with him in case they were treated in the same way themselves by these supposed shepherds of the people. And here's a man who has been blind, probably begged most of his life, and this is the way that he's treated and, and this is the background to what Jesus now says in quite a pointed way, I am the good shepherd. In contrast to these hopeless, heartless, worthless shepherds of the people, we have the good shepherd who's presented to us. Interestingly, the Lord Jesus uses two analogies of of these men earlier in the passage. In verse 1, he refers to them, first of all, uh, as being thieves and robbers. You know, the, the shepherd enters through the door of the sheep pen, thieves and robbers, they climb up some other way. They are not the shepherd of the sheep. And really, that's what they were, as far as this man was concerned, and as far as many other people were concerned. They were thieves and robbers. They, they stole this man's life. They, they destroyed his joy. They destroyed his friendships. They destroyed his family. They killed so much of what was just normal intercourse as far as his life was concerned in the village. The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. And in contrast to that, of course, the Lord Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. They, they might have life in all its uh, fullness. And this is something that's m- very relevant uh, in our day and age as well. So many voices, so many messages, even religious ones, not the true shepherd. And that's what they will do to all of us if we allow them. Kill, 
steal, destroy, take things away, in contrast to the abundance of genuine life that only the Lord Jesus Christ can give. Secondly, he describes them in verse number 12 as hired hands. It's just a job for these people. That's all it was. They didn't have the genuine care and concern for the people. They were there for the money. And if they got a better deal elsewhere, they would have been off for that. When danger came along and difficulties and troubles, you know, like the hireling who, who ran away when the wolf came, uh, these people were off. Because at the heart of it all, there was no real concern. They were in it for what they could get out of it for themselves. It was just for self-satisfaction. And so the Lord Jesus says, I'm not like that. I'm not a hired hand. I am the good shepherd. The right kind of shepherd. The best of shepherds. And what I want to do this morning is I want to apply this in two ways. Obviously we're going to be thinking about our Lord Jesus Christ, first of all. But secondly, I want us to think about this as far as our current day shepherds of the people of God are concerned. The elders of the church, shepherds, pastors of God's flock. And unless you feel that you're getting a bit of a free pass and you can switch off, um, I think we should say that to some extent or another we all have shepherding responsibilities. We all have responsibilities of care for people within the church and out with the church. And so I think there are principles for all of us to think about this morning. So here's the question that we should think about. What is it that makes a good shepherd? Well, it's answered first of all from verse number 11, where Jesus says, The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so what we have here is genuine self-sacrifice, not self-protection, not self-preservation, but the sacrifice of self for the sake of the people under his care, genuine care. I'm reminded about the story of, of David when he was a shepherd boy, and he told about when the lion and the bear came to attack the flock and how he would put himself in harm's way for the benefit of, of saving them. Back actually in verse 7 here of our passage, you remember that the Lord Jesus as well as calling himself the shepherd also calls himself the door of the sheep. At the end of the day, as the flock was counted in to the sheep pen, what the shepherd did was he lay down in the opening and effectively he became the door for the sheep. He lay there, he slept there, he protected them and if necessary he laid down his life because he cared for his sheep. And of course our Lord Jesus Christ did that. Nobody was able to take his life, nobody had the ability, nobody had the power to wrest Christ's life from him. The only way that was going to happen was if he laid down that life for himself. And, of course, we learn that at the crucifixion, when Jesus bowed his head and he dismissed his spirit. I am the living one that became dead, 
and behold, I am alive forevermore, he says in the book of Revelation. To prevent our harm and our destruction, he stood in the gap and became our substitute, and he laid down his life for us. Again, reminded about the life of David when his uh, erring son Absalom was killed in battle, and David hears the news. He's overcome by emotion, and it's recorded that he climbs the, the steps over the gate of the city, and it's recorded that he said this, O Absalom, my son, would God that I had died instead of you, O Absalom, my son. You know, and some of us can relate to that. There are situations and people that perhaps we would feel that we would almost lay down our life for. And yet this is what the Lord Jesus said as far as we are concerned. He looked at us, he looked at our predicament, he looked at us as individuals and personally, and he laid down his life. That's what a good shepherd does in his concern. There's an old song uh, by Sankey that I was brought up with, and one of the verses goes like this. It's taken from the parable of the, of the shepherd seeking uh, the lost sheep. It says that none of the ransomed ever knew how deep were the waters crossed, or how dark was the night that the Lord passed through, ere he found the sheep that was lost. And I guess none of us will be able to enter into the darkness and the depth of what happened when the Good Shepherd laid down his life for our sakes. Second quality that we have here of a Good Shepherd is found in verse 14, where it says, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Our Lord Jesus Christ knows everything about us. He wants to know everything about us. In the words of Psalm 139, when we sit down, when we stand up, even if we go to the furthest part of the sea, his hand rests on us. He knows all about us. We are of more worth than many sparrows to him. And never forget that, that he is intimately interested and concerned about the details and the concerns and the anxieties of our heart. And he can be known by us. He opens himself up so that we might know him and have an intimacy of communion with the one who is our good shepherd. And then the third thing that is said in verse 16, And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them I must also bring. He just doesn't look on the group that's round about him. He's not just concerned for the care and the well-being and protection of that little group of disciples. He looks beyond that, beyond that to other nations and beyond that to other times in history, including our own. And he looks at us and he says, there are other sheep out there and I must bring them too so that there will be one flock and there will be one shepherd. And the Lord Jesus in his desire to, to seek and to save all who are lost is outward looking and has the sense of compulsion and of necessity when he says, I, I must bring them. I have to do this. This is the mark of a good shepherd. Now finally, and more briefly, uh, let's now turn to thinking about how this phrase reflects on the shepherds of the church. What does it mean to be a good shepherd? Well, 
We take our characteristics from the lead of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Peter takes this up in 1 Peter chapter 5. Let me read some of that to you, where it says this, that I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exceeding, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. We are only under shepherds to the, the head, the chief shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so what are some of the things that should characterize us then? We should also lay down our life in self-sacrificing service for others, not looking to our own interests, but to the interests of others and looking for their benefit, even when that's a costly thing and a difficult thing and a tiring thing to do. Secondly, we are to know the flock as well, know their concerns, not to be aloof, not to be isolated, but to be concerned and interested about the details of people's lives. And we are to be known by the flock. That means that we are to be approachable. We have to be among people, not lording it over them, as First Peter 5 says, but being open even to our own struggles, that people might see that we're just real people. And we're not sort, sort, some sort of super category of Christianity. And also, we are to think of the other sheep that are not of this fold, that need to be, that have to be, that must also be brought into the fold as well. We need to cultivate an outward-looking, a mission-dominated, mission-driven sense of approach as far as the care of the people of God is concerned. And I speak to myself and to my fellow elders, uh, I speak to the whole church. For all our failings and for all our shortcomings, surely this kind of thing has to be our standard and our aspiration. Perish the thought that out of a sense of pride or self-importance or legalism, we treat the people of God in the way that this man was treated by, by these people in this passage. There is a good shepherd, a good shepherd that cares for our souls, our Lord Jesus Christ, and taking our lead from him, please God, that we elders, that we as a church, play our part properly to look after and to care for the people of God.